communicating with God. In fact, um, the Lord is always speaking. And some people say, but I've never heard him speak. Yes, you have. That's the way you were saved. The Spirit spoke into your spirit and drew you to Christ. Uh, otherwise, Jesus said you would have never come. And so that is a, a way that God speaks. And so oftentimes when we talk about hearing God's voice, people want to hear God audibly. Well, you're probably not going to hear him audibly, although he will speak in such a way that it is as profound as he, if he were to speak to you audibly, if you train yourself on how to listen. And uh, he didn't, Jesus says, my sheep, this is our kind of our anchor verse, my sheep know me, they hear my voice. He didn't say that my sheep can't hear my voice or should hear my voice, but they do hear. And so the Father is consistently transmitting his voice to we, his sheep. So as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have unlimited access to the very voice of God. Why? Because God wants to share with you his heart. God wants to build relationship. Uh, our walk with Christ is not about you know, becoming religious. It is about developing a relationship that is deep and authentic. And like any relationship that you have in life, you cannot have a deep, intimate, moving forward relationship without honest, open communication, right? So if you try that in marriage, you know it's not going to work. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the value, the value of hearing God's voice. If I don't value something, I'll never put forth the effort in order to do something. For example, if I lose the value of my relationship with my wife, and let's say marital problems start, if I don't value that relationship, then I will do nothing to try to mend that relationship and to restore that relationship. If it's of no value, I'll just let it go. It's like, uh, I don't care. Whatever happens, happens. Right, so there, there is, if there's value in our relationship with God, if there's value in hearing God's voice, then I will make every effort possible in order to hear from him. So some of the things that we talked about is that a value of hearing God's voice is that it proves that I am in God's family. And one of the reasons you know that you are a child of God is because God's spirit speaks to your spirit, right? And so uh, it, it is, it's valuable to know that the depth of my relationship with God is the foundation of knowing his voice. And so the deeper you go into that relationship, the more familiar you're going to become with the voice of God. But as we said, God is a gentleman. He will not force you into a deep relationship. You will go as deep with God as you want to go, period. Uh, God wants you to go deeper. He wants you to come to know and understand and hear his voice and hear it clearly. Uh, but if you're not willing to put forth the effort to do that, but that, since God's giving you the Holy Spirit, you used to be on the AM frequency and God was on FM, but with the Spirit of God, God now has put you on the FM frequency so that you can hear God's voice. Jesus said, I stand at the door knocking. If you answer the door, I'll come in and have fellowship with you. Or if you don't answer the door, I'll kick it down and force my way on, upon you. Absolutely not. God will not force himself on you, but he wants to have that depth of relationship. Secondly, it protects me from making mistakes. We think that we can trust our hearts, but the Bible says just the opposite, that our hearts are very deceitful, and because we are easily deceived, uh, Solomon, who fell to that deception in his own life, 
said that we are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God and he will make your paths straight. God wants to put your feet on the path that leads to the best destinations in life, but you've got to hear him speak, right? You've got to listen to his voice and you've got to respond in obedience to what he says. And well, why does God do that? Because he wants to keep us from making mistakes. When you get into a wrestling match with God over something, you want your way and you know God wants it a different way. The reason you're having that wrestling match is because you really want to do it your way. But God's trying to intercept you and say, no, 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 no. If you make this, this decision, if you move forward in this, it may take you 20 years to undo what you're about to do. And so the Bible says that faith Trust in God comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which is the rima, the voice of God. So you have the word of God, the Bible that gives us general instructions. You have the principles of God's word as guidelines, but then you have the voice of God, the message of God that speaks specifically to your situation and to your need and to whatever it is that you are about to do or decision you're about to make, not to punish you, but to protect you. Number three, it provides me with encounters with God. Um, listen, if I'm not having encounters with God, if my, the only encounter I can think of, I've been walking with the Lord, say, 20 years, and I say, man, when was the last time you had an encounter with God where God just like really moved and spoke and you responded and God just did some incredible things either in your life or somebody else's life? If you've got to stretch back 20 years... That's like living off of God's snippets when he wants to be like, you know, blowing the megaphone and say, look, I, I want you to have experiences, encounters with me on a regular basis, right? Because otherwise, I will sit back and listen to everybody else's stories about what God's doing in their life, and I can even read the Bible and see what God did in other people's lives, you know, a couple thousand years ago and beyond, the problem is I will be living a secondary faith. God did not call us to live a secondary faith. He called us to have encounters with him on a regular basis. As we hear his voice, we respond to that voice, and we obey that voice, and we walk with God. And, you know, God just like, man, your conversation, it might be that God does something in your life, or God uses you and your conversation to bring hope and healing in somebody else's life. It might be God's voice helps you through a moment of crisis, but I can assure you, every time God challenges us, he challenges us to take a step of faith so that we do not become boxed into our limitations of God and our own self-imposed limitations. When God speaks and wants us to move with him, it's always gonna be a step of faith requirement, and therefore I have to move outside of my comfort zone, which means if you're having encounters with God, if you are reading God's word and hearing the voice of God and moving with God, you must become comfortable with being uncomfortable in life. Because God's going to, when you move with God, he's outside your comfort zone, and so you're going to be uncomfortable. There are a lot of things. I've been, you know, pastoring for 30 years, okay? Public speaking is not one of those things outside of my comfort zone at this time. It was early on. I mean, that was like, whew, there's no way, Lord, I can do that. But there are other things that God challenges me with and challenges you with that causes me to step outside of my comfort zone and I have to move forward even though I am uncomfortable at that moment. And so encounters with God always, always leaves you changed.
And the fourth one is it produces personal success. God is not trying to play the role of a controlling father. God is not a cold demanding your compliance, but he desires to bless you and to move you into deeper intimacy. And as we talked about, you know, the names on the, the walls of our church are names that, in which people had encounters with God, and they said, oh, it's Jehovah Jireh, the God who always provides. Oh, it's Jehovah Shalom, the God of absolute peace in the midst of my crisis, in the midst of my turmoil. And one of the ways that you and I can experience this personally in our lives is by making declarations. The Bible says that life and death is held in the power of your tongue. And that's not just the words that you speak outwardly. It's the words you speak to yourself in your mind. And so God wants you to have encounters by making declarations so that you are not putting him in a self-contained box and you're not limiting what God's doing in your life and you're not limiting what you can do with your life and God through your life. All right, so I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I'm going to take us through some declaration. A declaration is just a statement that you are making that is based upon the truth of God's word, all right? the truth of God's word. Here might be a declaration. All attacks that were headed my way are diverted right now by angelic protection in Jesus' name. Why can we make that declaration? Because the Bible says that God has given his angels as ministering spirits to us. I declare all attacks that are headed my way are diverted right now by angelic protection in Jesus' name. I declare peace over the raging waters in my mind, in my emotions, in my body, in my family. I say peace be still to each of these areas of my life. Why can we do that? Because you have the Prince of Peace who is your Savior and the Spirit of God living in you. I speak to every mountain of discouragement, stress, depression, a lack, and I cast it into the sea in Jesus' name. And I speak to this day, I call you blessed, and I declare that I serve a mighty God who today will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or think. I say, you are a good God, and I eagerly anticipate your goodness today. Amen, right? Those are declarations. Those are statements that you make that are words to your spirit that is speaking the truth of God's word. And when you speak declarations like that, the Spirit of God begins stirring in your spirit so that your mindset is wrapped around what is truth and not what is false lies given to you by the enemy or operating out of your flesh, out of your bodily desires that are in direct opposition to what God has said to you and about you. Amen? So this is the victory that you can have in Christ. It is a value of hearing God's voice. Now, what I want to talk about today is preparing your heart to receive what it is that God has to say. All right? So in Luke chapter 8, Jesus gives a parable known as the parable of the sower. And you'll note in this parable that there is one who is sowing, which represents God. The seed is the word of God. And Jesus is the one who is casting the seed. He's, he's broadcasting the seed. Why? Because Jesus understands 
just like the Apostle Paul understood, that if we are going to experience transformation in our lives, it comes through the renewing of our minds, right? So Paul states that in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. If you want to experience getting out of the mold that the world has put you into, and you want to experience the transformation of God in your mind and in your spirit, your soul, then you're going to have to plant the seed of God's word, the truth that's going to tear down the lies that you have erected in your mind or the Bible calls strongholds and make declarations of truth so that you start living on the basis of truth and not on the lies of the enemy. Does that make sense? You with me? Yeah. All right. Two of you. Okay, we're going good. All right, so let's, let's, let's look at the very first one. All right, so verse 4, chapter 8 of Luke. While a large cloud, crowd was gathering and the people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed and seed, some of the seed fell along a path that was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. So what's the key in these verses? The key is the condition of the soil, right? It's the same person throwing the seed, Jesus. There's nothing wrong with Christ. There's nothing wrong with the voice of God. And there's nothing wrong with the seed of God's word, whether it is the logos, the word of God, or the rima, the voice of God, the message of God. All right, nothing wrong. The only thing that produces fruit is the soil that is good, right? So he says, some fell on good soil. It came up, it yielded a crop. In other words, it bore fruit. It brought forth transformation. So how do we ensure that the soil of our hearts is in a condition whereby when the seed hits it, it doesn't, it's not like there today and forgotten tomorrow, but it actually does its job in the transformation process. Well, here's where you and I come in. We have to cooperate with God in order for that to happen. So um, it says when he called, said this, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. And his disciples asked him what the parable meant. And the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So here's the very first statement. If you want to hear God speak, you must cultivate an open mind. You must cultivate an open mind. So the very first soil that Jesus described were the pathways that were placed between the fields of a farmer. So in his day and time, a farmer would have a field that he would plant and harvest, but in between the fields, uh, there were walking paths. And as people walked on those paths over the year, the soil became compacted, right? Became hard and sun-baked. And so as the sower is sowing the seed, some of it hits the hardened path. Well, it has no capability of germinating in that soil because the soil has not been broken up. It has not been properly prepared to receive the seed. And so what happens is 
But the birds came along and like, hey, free meal. We love it, right? So they just eat the seed off the path. And so Jesus describes how we can hear God's word, and God's giving us this incredible message, but our our minds are so closed and so hard-hearted that we don't even hear. And so Satan just comes, and he just snatches that truth away. It's like, you know, you you hear something, and maybe it kind of locks in, and you think to yourself, man, I'm going to remember that forever. You can't even remember it two days from now, right? We do this all the time with various information that comes our way. And so this speaks of cultivating an open mind, which means we have to be receptive. We have to be willing. We have to be eager to receive the message or what is being said. For example, if you're a parent, have you ever tried to have a conversation with your teenager? (laughs) Yeah, they got got in some trouble, and now you're going to sit down and you're going to have a conversation with them. You know what they are? They're like closed-minded. They're sitting there listening to you. They could care less what you say. It's just like it's going one ear out the other. It's not lodging in between. And they're thinking like, you know, in their mind, you think they're really paying attention, really locked into your every word. And their mind's a million miles away because they have already made up their mind. I don't care what you have to say. I, I don't care that you're my mom or dad. This is my life. I'll do it my way. I'll do my thing, right? So we have, if you're a parent, and have had teenagers, we've all experienced this. This is what Jesus is basically describing, a closed mind. I don't need to hear what you have to say. In fact, I don't really even care what you have to say. And so the, the um, number one barrier to hearing God speak is resistance. I don't think I need to hear God speak. I really don't care if God ever speaks to me. I'm really not interested in what he has to say. Again, it's my life. I'll live it the way that I want. I've been hurt. I know I'm about, what I'm about to do is wrong, but I really don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. And this is what Jesus talks about. He calls it the, um, the hardened soil, which is the closed mind. We have shut our minds down. And if we're not careful, we can do this with God. Here's two characteristics about the hardened path. It's hard and it's narrow. How many times have we become hard-hearted and narrow-minded, and when we become hard-hearted and narrow-minded, we are in no position to hear what God says. We've already made up our minds. He's just going to have to try to talk us out of it, right? Or, as we talked about before, we want to take his suggestion as one option, put it in our basket of multiple options, and then choose which one we think is the best. And so I'm really not open to hearing God. I'm really kind of resistant in hearing him. And what is it that causes us to have a closed mind? Well, there are many things, but I'm going to give you three of them. Number one is pride. Pride just simply says, I'm just flat out smarter than you, God. (laughs) What you're trying to tell me, what you're trying to, you know, move me, not happening. I'm smarter than that. I've got things under control. I can handle this on my own. I don't need your help. So why even pray? Maybe my marriage is a wreck. I'm financially stressed, uh, but I don't need God's input. I'm the king of my castle, and I will rule the roost. Here's what you need to know about pride. Pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It silently and slowly kills you without you even knowing it. And it closes our minds down, 
and shuts us down from hearing God. Number two is fear. Many people are closed to God because they're afraid of what he might say. Well, what if God asks me to do something I don't want to do? Or what if God tells me this and I don't want to do that? Um, I really don't want to... I really don't want his input, therefore I'm out of fear, I will not listen. Or bitterness, Uh, we've talked about this a lot, because we are all hurt by others, whether intentionally or unintentionally, and if you're harboring a heart filled with bitterness, man, hurt, uh, when you hold on to hurt, it's just a matter of time before you begin shifting the blame on that person who hurt you to God himself. Uh, Lord, you could have protected me. You could have stopped this. You could have diverted this, but you did not. Therefore, now all of a sudden, we transfer that same harboring bitterness and hurt and anger and resentment that we have towards the person who hurt us towards God himself, and it just shuts us down. And so some of you have been hurt, you've been betrayed, you've been misled, you've been abused physically and emotionally, verbally, you've been rejected by a girlfriend or a boyfriend, a spouse, and if you're not careful, you can harden your heart. So here's two things I would say to you. Number one is be careful. Make sure you keep your heart soft, moldable, pliable. Here's how James put it in James 1.21. It says this, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly, circle the word humbly, accept the message God has planted in your hearts for it is strong enough to save your soul. In other words, this is the opposite of a closed mind. It is an open mind. God, I can't do this on my own. I can't figure this out. I need you. I'm open and ready to hear what you have to say. Number two, you have got to allocate time to listen, all right? You've got to allocate some time to listen. Here's what he says about the next soil. Verse 12, um, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes, takes it away. Verse 13, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. You might want to underline that time of testing, when hardship comes, when challenges come, when things don't work out the way that you want them. You have to to allocate time to listen, time to be quiet, time to slow down. You must build some solitude in your life if you are going to hear God's voice. God doesn't always limit himself to speaking in solitude, but it often happens there. For example, the Bible talks about the small voice of God, the whisper of God, right? Elijah went up on a mountain to hear the divine word from God. Moses went up onto Sinai to receive the commandments. Jesus often put himself, you know, walked away from the crowds, went onto a mountainside so that he could hear the voice of his father. So that every single day he says, I only do what the father tells me to do. I only say what the father tells me to say. Even Peter, while he was on a rooftop praying in solitude that God unfolded the sheet with the unclean animals to let Peter know that he was assigning him to Cornelius to take to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even the apostle John was on the island of Pat in which he, God downloaded in him in that place of solitude the entire book of Revelation. I'm telling you, there has to be solitude in your life if you are going to hear God's voice on a regular basis. So the first barrier to hearing God speak is resistance. The second barrier to hearing God speak is hurry. 
Hurry, 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 hurry. We live hurried lives, do we not? It's always boom, 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 one thing after another. And I understand that there are seasons in your life when things are extraordinarily busy than other seasons in your life when you may have a little more margin of time depending on the ages of your kids or how many children that you have. I get that. I understand that. But God wants more than just our leftover moments. We're like, okay, God, I, I can spare five minutes here. Uh, you know, speak. That's all I got. Probably not. I would dare say if we were really honest with ourselves and you really timed yourself of how much time you spent on social media or watching television or some other activity, you'd probably be amazed at how much time you actually spend doing those things. And then we say to God, I just don't have time. And so the shallow soil is the superficial mind. In Jesus' day and time, oftentimes the fields consisted uh, much, the land was much like the state of Virginia farming land. That is, there is the, the topsoil is shallow and there's limestone underneath it. And so when the seed hits the soil, the roots cannot go very deep, right? And so when the sun comes out, when there's extreme heat, they wither and die rather quickly because there's, there's not much depth there. This is what hurry does to us is that we never allocate the time to build depth in our relationship with the Father. We always want to try to build that relationship while we're on the fly, right? And so it's just like I'm moving, 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 and I never take the time to allow, um, allow the deepness uh, of what God is doing in my life. And uh, so we get excited, uh, as he says here, we hear something, we get excited emotionally, and it's like, uh, man, I just kind of react emotionally, you, you kind of move impulsively, but you don't let the word sink down into the depth of your being and take root so that it begins the process of transformation. Notice what it says. It says, they received it with joy. Why? Because it was a great work of God. So here's what I'm trying to say. Is that I spend a lot of hours in a given week to prepare a message, a word from God to bring to the, our congregation. Do you know how long it takes you to forget it? 72 hours. The Air Force did a study on this. When people only hear something verbally, it takes about 72 hours before you are forgotten 95%. That is a very depressing statistic to me. I spent all this time preparing a message you're going to forget in 72 hours. And so you might hear it and you might say, yeah, man, that, that was a word from God. I mean, God really spoke through that to me. But then you forget it. Because you don't write it down, there's, there's, you don't let it go deep within you. And maybe well, what's God going to, the reason why I give you notes to take is so that at least you have the notes of the message. My suggestion would be that you take these notes and you make it a study for the week. Let God think about what was shared. Look at God's word. Pray that to, to the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow him to take the truth of his word and to drive it deep into the soil of your heart. Otherwise, 
you're going to hear a lot of sermons. You think about how many messages you've heard from me, people you listen to on the radio, how many messages you hear in a year's span of time, but how much transformation has actually taken place over that same year in your life? Or are you still struggling with the same old sins, the same old strongholds, the same old thought life? It does not have to be that way. But if I try to build depth while I'm always on the run, you'll never build the depth. Remember, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do that. But if you don't allocate the time to say, you know what, I'm setting aside this time, like making an appointment to a doctor's appointment where you go to their office and sit there for stinking two and three hours waiting on the doctor to become available, right? And you, you complain about it. Right? Okay. My point is simply this. If, if, if that is all that consists of my relationship, man, when things ha start happening and there's no depth of roots within your spirit, when things begin to happen and push, pushing against you, uh, you're going to fold pretty quickly because there's no depth in your life in that walk with the Lord. And so you need to schedule that time with him, and you need to, to uh, another key aspect, as far as I'm concerned, is being in a small group. You know, one of the things that helps you a lot in learning is to be able to talk it out with someone, right? Whether it's a, just a one-on-one -on -one or three of you or five of you or however many, when you talk that out and you share with each other and you learn and you grow from one another and you, and you, you put that deep into your heart, so that God's seed is planted on good soil. Here's number three. Not only do you have to um, allocate time and open up your mind, but you've got to eliminate competing distractions. Here's what verse 14 says. The, some of the seed fell among thorns, which stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Now notice what he said. They do not mature. The Apostle Paul often wrote about the fact that I ought to be able to feed you steak by now, but you're still on baby's milk because you're not maturing. Why do we not mature? Because there is no depth in that relationship or that walk. It is what we call the preoccupied mind, the soil with the weeds, preoccupied. Notice this soil begins to sprout, actually starts growing, but you'll notice in verse 14, it says, as they go. You want to circle that, as they go. Always on the go. The first barrier to hearing God is resistance. The second one is hurry, 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 hurry. God, you got five minutes. The third one is busyness. I'm just so stinking busy, and so we're so easily distracted. We have to beware of the barrenness of a busy life. He says, you're not making any progress. There's no fruit. These people get choked out. They're, we would say they're stressed out. They're at the end of the rope. They've reached their limit. They're about to throw in the towel. And Jesus says, distractions are like weeds that will grow up in your life and choke out the ability to hear from God. And so he gives us three ways that this gets choked out. Worry, uh, I mean, how many? Listen, your mind can't think two thoughts at the same time. If your mind's meditating on worry, it's not meditating on God's word. If you're meditating on worry, you're not 
probably uh, taking the time to take the truth of God's word and make declarations of truth against the enemy who's trying to fill your mind with worry and fear and all these things that are anxiety building so that there is no walking, no encounter with God as he uh, you know, sees you through these various situations in your life. Riches. You know, we, we, we work, we go to work, we get exhausted, we come home, uh, we do our thing with our kids, dinner, and I, I get the whole cycle, and then, you know, your head hits the pillow, and you get up, and you do it all over again, and so we do this all, all week long, looking forward to the weekend so we can relax and, and kick back, but sometimes the problem is we get so relaxed and so kicked back and fill our, 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 our margin with so many other things, again, God is on the back burner of our life. And the only way he gets shoved to the front burner is by some crisis or catastrophe that comes into our life. Then all of a sudden we want to hear God, right? Pleasures, nothing wrong with pleasures. God gave you five senses to experience pleasure unless you're pursuing fun to the point where you're forgetting God. So a weed is anything that you allow to take first place in your life. Anything that you allow to choke God out of your schedule. What are weeds a sign of? If you drove by my house and my house was just, my yard was just like filled with weeds, what would you say? Man, he don't take care of his yard. It's a sign of neglect, right? He don't, evidently, he don't care what his yard looks like. You know, I tried one time to, um, so my previous house that we bought had rose bushes. I knew nothing about roses, but I decided, man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read up on this. And I found out to grow roses, you got to pet those things and pamper them and talk to them and do whatever it takes in order for those things to flourish. I thought I was going to be all romantic, you know, and snip one off, bring it into my wife. The things were dead, always dead. I don't know what I did to them, dead all the time. But you know what you have to do to grow a weed? Nothing, right? Nothing. They just grow on their own. And so the same thing is true in our relationship with God. If there's so much busyness in our lives that there is the neglect of God, weeds are automatic. And weeds choke out your maturity. Weeds choke out the transformation process in your life. They will strangle your spiritual life if you're not careful. All circuits are busy. Again, going back to Elijah, you remember when he was going to... You know, he just got all depressed because, you know, he had that great mountaintop experience on Mount Carmel, and then Jezebel threatens his life, and he runs, and he's, man, I got to hear from God. And so God sends him, you know, some, uh, God's going to speak, and, the, you know, God, the, he's on this mountain. He says, God, I need to hear from you, and, and uh, God puts on this incredible show for him. He, he's, uh, you know, the wind comes, and then the earthquake, and then the roaring fire, but his voice was in none of those things. His voice was what? In the still, small whisper. You know the problem with the whisper? You have to be quiet to hear it. If you're always on the run, always on the go, always in a hurry, always filled your schedule to the max, never taking the time to eliminate some of your distractions, 
How many of you have a quiet time with your cell phone sitting beside you, and then it starts dinging because you had a Facebook post or an email that came through, and so you pick it up and you look at it, and you're so easily distracted. If you want to prepare your heart to hear from the voice of your Father because it's such a valuable voice to you, then you will do everything you need to do in order to cultivate an open mind, allocate time to hear from God, and to eliminate every distraction you can eliminate in order to hear the still, small voice. But if it's not valuable to you, and you're just skimming on your relationship with God, you're probably not going to hear much because you can't. You ever tried to hear somebody, if, if I put somebody over here at the piano and I wanted them to say something to me and then I put a person on each side of me talking into my ears, how well do you think I'm going to hear them? But that's what we do, right? Because we don't like silence. We like to keep the atmosphere filled with noise. Do you know that God doesn't just speak to you when you're in a room by yourself, eliminating all distractions, although it is a prime place that he will. Do you know that the kingdom of God is at hand, which means it is everywhere, everywhere you go? God may want to speak to you in your car. He, might, he may want to speak to you in your car, but you're constantly got the radio going, right? Or you're constantly having conversations on your phone. It may, God want, may want to speak to you at your workplace, but you're constantly having distractions. I know you have to work, okay? I get that. I understand that. But some of you have jobs that are kind of just like rote jobs and, in which you can just kind of like, you can do the job, but in your mind, you, you can, man, you can hear, you can listen. I already shared with you, one of the times that God speaks to me a lot is when I'm cutting grass, man, because yes, I'm, I'm pushing a mower, but my mind is just within myself, and I'm just listening to God and asking him to speak, and, and, and he does. It's just like in that solitude of my mind, and I pull out my little uh, notebook pad in my back pocket, and I'll write it down, or sometimes... Another time is like 2 o'clock in the morning. I do not know why God wants to wake me up every night at 2 o'clock in the morning, but he does. And so it used to aggravate me, and then it dawned on me, as my wife said, because the voice of God sounds a lot like her, said, you know what, maybe, maybe God's trying to say something to you. Oh, yeah, maybe it, maybe that's it. Here's number four. Here's the fourth soil he gives in um, verse 15. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, they pr produce a crop. And so this is the good soil. This is a willing mind. A willing mind is a mind that is ready to obey. It's a willingness to obey. It, I want to hear God because I want to obey him, not because I have to, not because God's making me, but because I understand that if I value God and I know that God wants to protect me from making mistakes and God wants me to have these encounters and, and, and God wants me you know, to, to speak into my life and, and, and direct my life, then certainly I will want to walk in obedience to what God says. So therefore, I'm not going to take what he says and just put his option in a basket of options. I want to hear his voice above anybody else's. Now, if God uses you to reaffirm to me, but sometimes God does speak to you directly through other people. We'll talk about that later, a word of knowledge and a word of prophecy. 
But um, oftentimes, you know, God wants to reaffirm what he says to you. You know, he knows our hearts. He knows that, like, you know, I think I've heard God on this, and and I may share that with somebody, and, and you know what? God's confirming that in my spirit. But this issue of obedience is absolutely essential. Now, here's what I know about humanity, especially we men. Uh, I know that when, as a man, uh, when you are trying to woo your girlfriend to eventually become your wife, there was nothing that she could ask of you that you wouldn't do. I don't care what time of the night it was. I don't care what it was or what you had to drop in order to do it. And so it might have been inconvenient, it might have been painful, it might have been expensive, but you were gonna drop everything. So, you know, calls you at nine o'clock at night, you're all back in your easy chair, got the football game going, the snack's out there, and all of a sudden she calls, it's pouring down rain. Uh, Greg, um, I got a flat tire. Do you think you could come and fix my flat tire for me? Now, what do you do at that point? Do you argue over that? No. You, you get in your truck, your car, whatever, and you go and you gladly do it. And, you know, it's pouring out and you're soaked. She's in the car. You get the tire fixed. And on her way, she goes, why did you do that? Because you're in love, right? You're, you are in love. And so um, love means this is not a duty. Man, this is, a, this is a, an opportunity for me to express my love. Now let's fast forward 10 years into the marriage. (laughs) Then she asks you, (laughs) uh, hey, could you get up off the couch and do a little errand for me? And she, nothing moves. And so like the third time she's asked you, now she's getting a little ticked off and and starts raising her voice a little higher and a little higher. and, And then she's so mad, she just does it herself. And then you realize, uh uh-oh, I was supposed to do that. And now you've got the look. And you know the look, right? Like, the look is, you're in the doghouse, and it's going to take a lot to get out of there. I call it change in your pocket. I don't know how much change you've got in your pocket. You get change in your pocket by doing the things that you know you should do, but when you do something stupid, it costs you, right? So you're losing change out of your pocket. Now all of a sudden, rather than responding, being motivated by love that has cooled, it becomes a duty in your mind. This is a big difference, right? Between responding out of love, obedience out of love, and obedience out of duty. This is exactly what happened to the church at Ephesus when Jesus wrote them a letter and said, you have left your first love. You need to get it back because if you do not, I will shut your doors. And history shows they did not, and Jesus shut their doors. And so obedience is the love language of God. And when there's disobedience, there is always painful consequences. Some of those may be felt immediately. Some of those may get delayed, but nonetheless, they are going to happen. And disobedience always dulls our spiritual senses. And so we are a new part of the new covenant relationship with Christ. And so hopefully our obedience comes out of our love for him. And so um, where are you when you look at these four soils, right? 
Here's what obedience does. Obedience takes the seed that was planted in the soil and drives it down in the depths of your heart, into your mind. So now your mind starts rewiring itself. It's taking out the old, the old lies, as Paul called, taking off the old, putting on the new. Now you begin making new ruts, truthful ruts in the thought process, in the, the grid system of your mind. So you start living off of God's truth. Here's what I know. You don't forget what you put into practice. And over time, it becomes automatic. You don't even have to think about it. It becomes your default mechanism. So the next time something happens and, the, and Satan comes against you with a heavy dose of worry, rather than defaulting to meditating on my worry for the next three or four days about what could happen, what might happen, and how this might ultimately turn out. No, now all of a sudden your mind's going to default to the truth of God's word and the declarations that you've put in your thought processes so that begins to govern and direct your life, which results in transformation. Does that make sense? It doesn't. Okay, all right, we're going to go for another half hour then. Let's see if we can drill down on this even further. Here's, what, here's our activation. Every time you live in obedience to the Father, you mirror him back to the world around you. When you choose to forgive as God forgives, you mirror God back to the world. When you choose to tell the truth as God is truth, we mirror God back to the world. When you are generous as God is generous, you mirror him back to the world. The value of God's voice is so necessary to us that God has opened up a channel by which you and I can on a regular basis have input from our Heavenly Father week in and week out. And as we take that truth and we bury it in our hearts and we bury it in our minds and we meditate on that truth and we let it become a part of our thought processes Ultimately, we experience a changed life so that 20 years down the road, you're not still dealing with the same old issues you've been dealing with for the past 20 years. Jesus said he came to give us the truth, and it's the truth that sets us free. And whomever the Son has made free is free indeed. Let's bow our heads.